Thank you, Jim. Oh, yeah, Jim did everything. <laughs> I think Jim does do everything. No, Anita was brilliant, and even Alex. All of them. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Thank you, worship group. Uh, let's pray. Let's pray together. Gracious Father, we thank you for all the uh, blessings that we have when we come and just we receive from you, Lord, but we want to give you our worship. We want to pour out love and adoration, Lord, because we then know that we are in that proper place of the children of God receiving from their heavenly Father. And we thank you that your Son, Jesus Christ, is not only your Son, but he was the Word of God who became the living Word, who breathed it out into these wonderful scriptures, which gives us such hope, direction, encouragement, and challenge. And Father, as we turn to those scriptures today, we pray you'll bless them to us in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay. Um, right, well, the, uh, we're continuing with our series of being anchored, and, and today it's anchored in light, not darkness. Be a pity to have that the wrong way around, wouldn't it? But um, anchored in light, not darkness. So we've got some scriptures that we're going to read. Uh, let's pop those up. It's from 1 John chapter 1. That's not the beginning. From verse 5. We will just roll with it. Right, from 1 John chapter 5, it reads like this. This is the message, oh, do turn to it, you can find it on your, on your thing, on, on your equipment or, or in your Bible. Uh, this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So there we are, 1 John 1 verses 5 to 9. We're going to start there um, and look at this whole subject of being anchored in light, not darkness. Well, um, what a glory it is that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And, um, and, and that's the glory of God. I mean, it reminds us that his character is light, he brought light. This sometimes intrigues me, the fact that in the creation um, it says that the earth was dark and void and was empty, and God said three words, let there be, that's not three, let there be light. And there was light, and it brought the day and the night. And yet it wasn't until day four that God created the sun and the moon and the stars. That came in day four. So how do you work that out? Well, how you work that out is because God is light. He is, he is not devoid of light. He has lots of light. He pours out light. And when God said God is light, there was light. He created this world not with his hands, but with his words. Uh, and, and he can create life in us just with his words. And that's why we take so much notice of the word of God. God is light. It also reminds us when we think about this thing, God is light, of the, the glory of God in his heavenly realm. 
It is altogether light. There is no darkness. It bespeaks his holiness, his pure, unutterable, glorious holiness. It is an untouchable holiness. There was a, a, um, a time when, when the Ark of the Covenant was being transported um, and, and David wanted to take it to the temple because the Philistines had had it for a while. Uh, and, and the Ark of the Covenant, and it should have been put on poles and put on the shoulders of priests with a robe uh, draped over the top. And, and he, he kind of forgot all that, and he put it on a cart. And the cart drove along, and, and the oxen were pulling it, and a wheel fell into a, into a um, pit hole, and, and, and somebody reached up to touch it. Aiken, not Aiken. His name will come back to me. He reached up to touch it, and before he could touch it, he was struck dead. Why? Because of the untouchable holiness of God. It is utter, pure light. And what it tells us is actually the greatness of the miracle that God can bring us into that presence. The greatness of the miracle whereby the veil was torn in two from top to bottom when Jesus died on the cross. It is an awesome thing that we can be brought into that light, and yet we are. And so... God is light, in him is no darkness at all. And if we have fellowship with him, it, dis, it says to us, and walk, if we have, sorry, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Light and truth are bound together. Darkness and lies are bound together. So truth, light. And if we walk in darkness, the truth is not in us. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And we find that, don't we? That if we are in fellowship with God, that we have a beautiful fellowship with one another. If we fall out of fellowship with God, it, it spoils fellowship with one another. It just does. And so how important it is to walk in the light. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Well, um, there's two sorts of sin which can, tr which can cause us difficulty. There's the sin which is called besetting sin. And those are those things that just touch our personal areas of weakness. Besetting sins are always there, just waiting. Uh, and, and the slightest thing, we fall into it again. Oh, no, Lord, you know, I've done it again. Uh, and, and God wants to come in and do something about that. He wants to give us victory over besetting sins. I mean, it says, do not walk in darkness. We have, we have to, in this world, experience darkness because darkness is there. God made day and night, light and darkness. Darkness is there, but do not walk in it. There's something more, more involved in walking in darkness. And so... And so what God gives us here is he's in light, but if we find that we're in darkness, I said there was two sorts of sin. There's besetting sins, and then there's the sort of sins that just trip you up, and you've landed again, you've fallen into it, uh, and you think, oh no, there's a temptation or something like that. Um, and, but whether, whether we found we've fallen into sin, that we've fallen out of that close fellowship with God, there's a way back. And what's the way back? It's being anchored in the light and having an anchor that is firm and that you can rely on. And, and so it says straighter in this passage, although it says, you know, don't walk in darkness. Why? Because we have the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. 
What a thing to say. And yet, when we look with honest reflection upon ourselves, we have to agree that, Lord, I know I have sin. And yet it says, don't walk in darkness. So what is it about that? Well, there's an answer to that in, in verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How wonderful that there is always a way back to God. There's verses which say he understands that we are weak and we are but dust. He understands that. Um, our great high priest understands uh, because he came and had to resist temptation. Uh, Jesus did as well. It's in Psalm 103, 13 and 14. It says this, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we're formed. He remembers that we are but dust. And so there's this thing of repentance. Repentance. Um, I'm going to go back to uh, when John and I got married. And we invited uh, all our friends and that, but Donna invited her work, some of her work colleagues as well. And there was a fellow manager, I'm thinking of David, and, um, uh, and, and, and we had a, a very glorious, worshipful, happy, clappy sort of a wedding. We had wonderful times of worship, and there was a real Christian input. It was great to have them all there. And so we came to spoke to Donna afterwards and said something like, it's a familiar story. He says, well... I was brought up a Catholic, I was made to go to church, it seemed to be all about repentance, all very heavy, you know, come and confess your sins, my child, what have you done this week, and, and, uh, and, and there was this heaviness about it, and Donna's reply to him, which I still remember, was, oh, we do forgiveness too, <laughs> it wasn't just all about repentance, yeah, we do forgiveness, we can, we can, we can get out of that, Repentance is not a heavy thing. He repentance is the most wonderful opportunity to get out of the bad and into the good, to get out of the darkness and into the light, to get out of the besetting sin and into something more victorious, to get out of the thing that we've tripped up into and set our feet once again upon the solid rock of Jesus Christ. How fantastic to have the opportunity of repentance where we're invited to just confess our sins and he is faithful and just to forgive our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness, we're back on the level ground of the steep and narrow path that leads to life. Repentance is a wonderful, wonderful gift. Never be afraid to go to that place and say, Lord, this has happened. I'm sorry. We can't hide it from God. You know, that's the first reaction. Is that not what Adam and Eve tried to do with fig leaves? Did fig leaves work? How many times do we try fig leaves to cover our sin and say, well, well yeah, didn't really happen or... And when they couldn't hide because of their fig leaves, they hid themselves. Oh, they heard God in the garden, let's hide ourselves under this bush. And Ad, uh, God had to come saying, where are you, Adam? Where are you? God came looking for Adam. Adam didn't look for God when he was in sin. God came looking for Adam. Just as he always has done and just as he always will do. If you're hiding behind a fig leaf or you're hiding behind a bush because you don't feel very good about yourself at the moment, then just know you cannot hide nothing from God. It's not worth the effort. Say, Lord, I know, I know that you know, and I just repent. I want to repent. I want to repent, Lord, and say, Lord, turn me around from that thing. He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
So what a, what a wonderful passage and what a wonderful thing that it brings us to. Oh, we haven't got scriptures there. Um, James 1.17 says this, Every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation and turning. Do you know that good things in life come from a good God? Every good and perfect gift is from above. The good things that we see, the wonders of the beauty of creation around us, the wonderful thing about family and friendship and fellowship, the wonderful things that God gives by being our saviour, our friend, walking with us, the good things in life come from him. And there is no variation or shadow of turning. You know, so many gifts come with a bit of a barb or a twist, or, but um, no, sh- no variation or shadow of turning. That's, that's a wonderful thing. So I'd like to look through this because when it says don't walk in darkness, there are actually, in my uh, thinking about this, two kinds of darkness. Um, there's the darkness that we can find um, pervading around us, but there's the darkness within us. And when it says don't walk in darkness, I believe that's probably the darkness within us. Um, that if darkness has come within our hearts, that we need to not walk in that because there'll always be things around us. Um, there's a verse in um, Job chapter 5, verse 7. Uh, and see if this rings true with anybody. It says, man, I think it means mankind, so, so don't be excused. Let's, let's put it in there. Mankind, people are born to trouble as sparks fly upward. Tell me this, have you ever seen a spark fly in a different direction but upward? I haven't. We're born to trouble as sparks fly upward. The person who found that out was Job, a man called Job. He had a bit of trouble. He had a bit of darkness. He had things pervading his life. But I'll tell you this, darkness may pervade and come and interfere and be around us, but what it does is to batter and bully the heart to put darkness in your heart and your soul. And that's where we say no and no further, and we resist that. Because yes, we'll take light in the, through the darkness, but we don't want to take it into our soul. And so we're going to just think about a few of the things of, of Job because he had this buffeting of life. He had an enemy attack. The enemy came and attacked his farm. They, they took out some of his farm workers. His livelihood was under threat. His family was in disarray. He was impacted by illness. I mean, how many dark things did Job have happened in his life? They just sort of seemed to come one after another. And, and, and some of those things we will identify with. Problems in family, problems in work, problems with getting a livelihood, problems of enemy attacks. I mean, they were all there. And so what he had was three friends who got the name comforters. I'm not sure that's the right name for them. Job's comforters, Job's friends. I'll tell you, has anybody, um, has anybody named their child um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, you know, James or John, yeah, plenty of people. Has anybody named their child Eliphaz, Bildad, or Zophar? Not very popular, are they? They're not the best friends in the world, but these were Job's friends, and we don't tend to name our children after these things. And um, 
And so it, it was that they came and they sat with Job and they started, after seven days of just sitting with him, they started to open up and first of all, um, Eliphaz would have a go and then Bildad and then Zophar and they started saying, well, you know, obviously it's all your fault, Job, and you've got things wrong in your life and, 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 and yet what we know from the beginning of the story is that Job lived a really wonderful, perfect life in God and the Satan came to, to, uh, to God and said, well, you see him, you know, yes, he's, he's doing all this worship and stuff, but if he lost some of his stuff, he'd turn against you, he'd turn against you. Uh, and, and God allowed a certain amount there. And he lost many things. And when he lost many things, he said, naked I came into this world and naked I will return. God has given, God has taken away, God be praised. God be praised, because every good and perfect thing you have, you have it from God. God has given it. God can take it away, but for a reason and for, uh, for us to, to move through. And so these people came and said, well, it's because you were sinning. You need to repent because you've done this, because you've done that. All these things that they were saying. And it's, it's filled up 30 chapters of Job with them pontificating about why he found himself in this situation. But as he did, as he did, um, eventually they ran out of steam and God spoke to him. God came and, and he talked to him. And I'm just sorry, just trying to find the scripture I've got there. Whilst his three friends had been going on and on, in chapter 42, Job acknowledges that God has come and he has explained why he's been through all these things, all these things of darkness. And Job says this, he says, I have heard you by hearing, but now I see you, and I repent in dust and ashes. And it was when God saw, when Job saw something of God, that he realized his shortfall, and he said, I, need, I do need to repent. And he turned to God, and he put it right, and he stepped back into fellowship with God. And then God turned to these three, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, and he says, go to Job, You've been talking rubbish, but go to Job and he'll pray for you. And they went to Job and Job prayed for them. And then it says that uh, the Lord restored the losses of Job when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. How amazing. How amazing was it when he prayed for his friends? You know, there's something about forgiveness. There's something about letting go of those comforters who didn't comfort, of forgiving, and it brings in a fresh light. And God blessed him again with, um, with twice as much as he had had before. So what we see is that the, the light of God, the anchor that we have on God, is, is there and can be reestablished. It's like he had to anchor again into God. Um, have we got any of the pictures or scriptures up here? Sorry? I was going to go to the pictures. <coughs> yeah, carry on. Oh yeah, we've got some things there. 
Right, we'll stop there. Go back one. Okay, I wanted to talk to you about anchoring because um, uh, I wasn't here, but Anita, I did listen to your message on anchoring, and, and you opened up the series, and it was a, a great message. But I, I heard your attempt at anchoring. Want the best? And 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 it and it struck me. The first thing you said was, "We threw the we threw the anchor out over the stern," and I thought, "Oh, I never throw the anchor out over the stern. I do it at the pointed end, the bow." But there we are. I just wanted to put this up because uh, Donna and I did go on a sailing weekend. We sailed down to Foy. Uh, we, we stopped there and we were coming back. And what we found out was um, we were coming back and there was going to, when wind was in the east, so it was blowing in that direction. Uh, and so we thought we won't go all the way back. And I've put an anchor up just to the left of Rame Head. You can see it there, can't you? That was our anchorage spot. There was a few other boats there as well. So it was an anchorage. So we thought we'd be there. We'll be protected from the east wind. And so whereas the east wind was sort of quite strong out, uh, out to sea, uh, tucked behind that in Whitsand Bay, it was very protected and it was quite nice. So we'll shove up a picture. Next one. And that's us. That's us at anchor in that bay. Water looks nice and calm, doesn't it? Yeah, nice place to anchor, so that's good. So we did anchor and, and we stopped there for the night and it was really nice. We'll have the next picture. So there's Donna, and she's busy cooking up, and um, I think it was um, meatballs on spaghetti, but, you know, it was master chef standard, <laughs> and, and, and out that came, and, and look at our dining room, look at our dining room as the sun went down. There's a verse I was just looking at, actually, there's a verse in it's Psalm 107, I think, they that go down to the sea in ships and do business with the Lord shall see the wonders of the Lord. And, um, and when you make that your dining room, you see the wonders of the Lord. You know, that's why people do these things. It was absolutely lovely. So the sun went down, but the darkness came. And we were anchored, and we anchored in the light, but we wanted it to be secure through the darkness, didn't we? Didn't want to have to be um, fussing about in dark. So we'll go on to the next screen. And I've just put there the anchor. Um, because Hebrews 2.1 says, we must give more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. What we know is drifting is dangerous. You never drift in a good direction. You never drift into safety. You drift spiritually. You drift into danger. And we drift when we do not pay earnest heed to the things that we have heard. We have lots of things that we hear from up here and then in our, in our daily readings, but unless we pay earnest heed to them, we may drift. When you look at the picture, the anchor's going straight down there, and, and the principle is with anchoring that um, you put out three times as much chain as the depth of the sea. Uh, and so if the sea's that deep and you drop an anchor, it's supposed to drop down and then travel along the bottom and anchor in. So if there's a pull on the ship, it's actually pulling horizontally on the anchor and it just pulls it in more firmly. That's the principle. Maybe they didn't tell you that in your little talk. <laughs> but hey, so, so when I anchor, and we've done it with these guys as well, um, what I like to do is, is um, get to the spot I want to be, uh, drop the anchor in, and then you reverse. And I, I hold the anchor at about two times as much. And as we reverse off, it tugs in and I see the anchor chain do this as it's got a tug and I think great it's got a tug now okay let it go drop another third in and then I have this thing where the anchor goes down goes along the seabed and has a grip 
So there we are. You can see what's behind the anchor, can you? Can you see rocks? We didn't want to be on those. We wanted to be secure through the night and wake up in the morning. When we did wake up in the morning, it was much more windy, much more bouncy, and we had a very bouncy sail back around the corner of Rainhead against that east wind, tacking, meow, smash, meow, smash, getting round, very exciting, uh, back into Plymouth. But we wanted to be secure at night. We actually anchored twice, didn't we? We anchored and then we moved a bit and anchored again to be sure. Job had to re-anchor. He had to re-anchor. He'd lost that. With all his friends' dribble that he'd had to listen to and all the experience that he'd had, his anchor wasn't very secure. But when he heard, and when he said, I've not only heard, I've seen. I've seen God. I've seen what you mean, God. And he says, I repent in dust and ashes. I want to put my anchor back down into you. There is a chance, you know, that we need to re-anchor into light because, because we want it to keep us through that darkness. We don't want our soul to be battered by life's experiences. Yes, there may be problems in work or family or things like that. And yet in the, in the totality of that, Job was able to forgive the friends, to put things right, to put things right with God, to enter a place of blessing where he got twice as much as he ever had before. And so it's a glory to have this wonderful provision um, in God. We need to know that our anchor will hold. I test the anchor to see whether it's hold. Did you know God tests you? He tests your anchor. How does he test it? Probably with trials and tribulations. What does he say about it? He says, count it all joy, dear ones, when you experience trials and difficulties, knowing this, that the testing of your faith produces patience and endurance, that you may be perfect and entire, lacking nothing. Your anchor will be tested. And if it has dragged, or if it isn't quite held, then like Job, maybe we need to re-anchor into light because there will be the darkness of experiences around us. Man is born into trouble as sparks fly upward. It happens. It happened to Jesus. We were hearing about it, the one which isn't recorded from Steve about in the storm. Jesus went through the storm, and they followed him, and he calmed the storm. Yeah, he can sort it out. But sometimes we have to re-anchor because when we go through darkness, and we went through darkness in there, but we woke up the next morning in a place of light. We'd been carried through. God is with you in everything that happens. He is the most sovereign of gods. He has got his providential care surrounding your life. I love you. I care for you. I will be with you. These are the things that he says to us. And what he says is, have an anchor hold in the light of God that will carry you through the darkness that's around because I don't want that darkness in your soul. I don't want you to walk in darkness. There's a way out. It's called repentance. What a glory. What a wonderful thing. Repentance that can just take us out of that. Well, uh, that is the, the greatness and the glory of God in that he gives us an anchor for our soul. Take heed. Heed the things that he has told us that we do not drift because in him we will have the most secure, blessed, purposeful, eternal value life that could ever be. Paul was impressed by athletes 
and he quite often talked about them and he said I'm run the race I'm getting near the finish and he talked about them in 1 Corinthians 9 and said they run you know they all run but only one person wins and what do they get a gold medal or or a laurel wreath around their head and it perishes we do it for an imperishable crown run the race lay aside the sin that so easily besets and run with purpose and God wants that purpose to touch time and touch eternity in our lives amen amen thank you bless you brilliant you saw the skipper come out then didn't you <laughs> experienced sailor last week I I, 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 I chucked out a, a, a proverb really quickly smoothies don't create skillful sailors Chris is clearly experienced in what what he does when he when he sails and he talked about the anchorage so what you've had today is you've, you've had a man of God, but you've also had the experience of a sailor who also can bring that analogy of what it is to bring anchorage in our lives, yeah? There's a great question and a challenge that Chris brought to us today. Do we need to reposition our anchor? Come on. Do we need to reposition our anchor again? Because some of us may have drifted. Thank you, Chris, for your word. Why don't you pray for everyone before you get down, mate? Should we stand? Gracious Father, we stand before you today. We are your children. You are our wonderful Heavenly Father who gives good gifts in who is altogether light with no variation or shadow or turning how wonderful it is. And yet, Lord, sometimes we find it hard to really follow you with all that we have and all that we've got. But Father God, we would like to recommit ourselves today. And Lord, we want to say we want to be anchored in the light of God. We want to resist the darkness of this world, Lord. We want to press on into you and the glory of a risen Lord that we are crucified in Christ. We've dead and buried the old life. We've set aside the besetting sin. We've, Lord, we've, we've seen these things which have attacked and come against us, but we stand firm in you and say, whatever happens, Lord, we will praise you. We will thank you. And, Lord, we do say today, if our anchor has not been firm, if it has not been really embedded in the light, Lord, we pray, may we put that anchor out today. May we put it firm in the seabed of your light so that you will carry us through any dark times, Lord, and that our hearts will always be light before you. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. We confess our sin. We confess our need of you, Lord. We confess, dear Father God, that we have not been all that we should be before you. But, oh God, cleanse and renew us this day, we pray, that we might walk in newness of life and the glory of God for how wonderful it is to be yours. We thank and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.